This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. So y'all, we have made it to what I'm going to be calling the uh, mid-season finale. This is going to be our final episode of 2023, what a year it has been. And I, you know, I'm going to keep it very chill for this episode. Last year, you know, the expectation is to talk about something Christmassy, talk about something holiday season. And I think I did two episodes, one talking about the perfect holiday special, like what makes the perfect holiday special. And then the second episode I did was talking about the Grinch throughout pop culture. And if you listen to that episode, within it, I talked about uh, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Took Christmas from 2000 for, uh, and I calculated, 15 minutes. And so when I was trying to come up with what I wanted to talk about this year, it was truly a no-brainer to return back to that subject because clearly I had a lot to say. So this week we are going to be honing in specifically on Ron Howard's How the Grinch Little Christmas and I'm not going to really be honing in on it within a Christmas context because I number one just feel you know I'm not really feeling the holiday season this year I don't really know why maybe it is um the world being on fire um and injustice just running rampant everywhere and two I think that this movie so like holy works outside of the context of christmas and i am going to prove it and um, by the end of this i hope that we will be on the same page that we should watch 2000s ron howard's how the grinch stole christmas year round christmas is only a state of mind don't let it limit you from a really fun movie that you could watch in the dead of summer so if that sounds good to you let's get started so i could rehash on all of the things that i said last year um about you know the film and just share some you know fun facts and everything but honestly i think it makes more sense to turn it over to someone who i trust very dearly and um who is truly an up-and-coming star in the uh pop culture world and i'm gonna turn it over to myself uh last year when i basically spent 15 minutes waxing poetic about the grinch and then i'll meet you back here within this episode and i'm gonna we're gonna talk about why it's a just a great movie in general outside of the context of the holiday season so take it away me from last year (laughs) Depending on what uh, what day you ask me, I would probably say this is my favorite Christmas movie, and that is the 2000 holiday classic, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a film 
that has been in my life for a very long time before I even saw the full thing. Now, you know, when we go to school and elementary school, we have like Christmas parties and we watch movies and stuff. We weren't watching Ron Howard's The Grinch. I think it was because it was too scary. Um, And so I didn't see it in full until I was a little bit older. But the first place that I saw like mention of it or like saw a trailer for it was on um a vhs tape for shrek it was like you know how vhs tapes used to play uh trailers for other things ahead of it so they played the trailer for et the 20th anniversary special uh for uh spirit this the horse movie and for ron howard's how the grinch stole christmas and so because i wore that shrek vhs out i wore it out that thing's hat miles on it I wore it out I kept seeing this trailer for the Grinch for this movie and so eventually I watched it for myself and it became one of my absolute favorite 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 holiday movies I love it it's so fun obviously it's Jim Carrey as the Grinch which what more can you ask for um and it's this incredibly insane movie and now as a you know, in my like pop culture analytical brain or whatever, I view it as like a great Christmas movie and just a great holiday film. But also it is one of the most ambitious and insanely effective feats of visual effects in, in, in film. I think it is, it's one of the greatest like showings of that via hair, makeup and and costuming. Like they turned real people into who's and who's look not like real people they're kind of like very otherworldly looking um and so we'll get into it a little bit later but i just think the the visual effects and of of the film really kind of cemented the movie just beyond a holiday sense right because sometimes we we don't often think about holiday movies outside of the context of them being holiday movies like we don't talk about you know home alone and the greatest movies of all time conversation always because we're like well that's a it's a christmas movie so it's you know you're not judging it by the same brush as you would just like a regular a regular film but i really do think that the grinch should be considered amongst that conversation at least for like films with the best visual effects because my goodness it is it's insane like it's 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 nuts it's it is very very nuts um so Ron Howard's The Grinch is probably like one of the, I don't know, most prolific showings of The Grinch. And it starts exactly kind of how the other one does. The Grinch is Grinching out. Um, in this one, he's a little less. The funny thing is to watch throughout the the pop culture journey of The Grinch is every iteration kind of captures a general essence of The Grinch. But there's also like little things in each one that kind of delineates one from the other um so the Grinch in the first one was kind of just this very like super grouchy guy like doesn't want to be bothered like could care less like very dejected but just is like annoyed obviously at the incessant cheer of these of these who's and then Ron Howard's the Grinch he or how the Grinch stole Christmas in that version the Grinch is a lot more uh, proactively antagonistic. Like he is a lot more like 
cranky and he like wants to go out of his way to inconvenience those <laughs> like he goes out of his way to to wreak havoc on these very innocent people and not to well m most of them very innocent obviously in this movie we get the backstory that the Grinch was actually raised by Hoos and he was obsessed with Martha May Houvier um who's played by Christine Baranski who is like the only one who doesn't have a Grinch nose um or like doesn't have a super pronounced one it's weird um but he has this crush on her and everyone is like oh she'll never like you because you're green and hairy and that's what causes his villain origin story to like hate the who's um and then he eventually you know comes around but like for the most part like he's constantly trying to wreak havoc on them seemingly outside of a christmas context that seems like year round he is causing trouble and mayhem um for, for, for the who's for things um so ron howard's the grinch i think has a lot of you know moving parts to it like i said it's this really good holiday film but it's this really good visual effects uh feet obviously the the makeup and and hair were done by the absolutely incredible rick baker if you you know rick baker you've seen his work like he is just the the top of the heap when it comes to 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 makeup and hair for um for film especially like special effects makeup and hair like he's done like quite a bit of of stuff so just to name a few things that that rick baker has done he's done an american werewolf in london he's done harry and the hendersons uh he worked on michael jackson's thriller he's done men in black like planet of the apes like a lot of the movies that you think about when you think of like visual effects like great visual effects um special effects it is rick baker like he that he is he's the guy he's the guy him and his team um so he also worked on this and this working on this film uh got him an oscar so that should let you know but anyways so a lot of the the feats of special effects um for rick baker and his team came down to figuring out a way to create the Grinch that harkens back to the original book and the the animated TV special and feels not too scary because the Grinch is not, when translated to real life, could be incredibly terrifying, um, but also could be a little too cartoony if they lean too heavily into prosthetics. And then also they had the added layer of making sure that Jim Carrey's incredibly like like his incredibly animated expressions could still shown through the the makeup so they're juggling all of that at one time and they went through multiple tests where they went from putting him into really heavy prosthetics to where you can't really tell it's Jim Carrey underneath all of the prosthetics they went to just kind of painting him green and they, they were just like, eh, it's probably not gonna, uh, not gonna work. And I think some studio executives were like, what are you gonna do? Just paint Jim Carrey green. And so they tried and they were just like this, you know, this isn't really anything. And then Rick Baker himself does a, a makeup demo to show like, okay, I think I found the perfect balance. Um, but in order to do it, I've got to put it on myself so that you know, people can see what it'll look like and then we'll put Jim in it if you guys like it. 
Um, so the, on YouTube, you can find a video of Rick Baker in the Grinch makeup. And it shows that, like, kind of anyone could be the, the Grinch visually. Obviously, like, as far as how he, he acts and everything, that's definitely a lot of, of Jim Carrey. Um, but the makeup ended up looking great. And so that, I think, helps in large part with the timelessness of this film is the fine tuning that Rick Baker had done to figure out how this character that has only existed within the context of a an animated book, a 2D book, and then a 2D animated TV special. How do you, how do you bring that into this full body person? And obviously he figured it out. That coupled with the amazing costume design of Rita Ryak, who costumed all the Who's in these very whimsical outfits. Like the Who's are so fun to look at from a costume perspective in every scene that they're in because they're very over the top. They're very holiday cheer like their hair is super crazy like you know the things that they're wearing and everything like it's all like very functional but fun fashion right so Rita Ryak pulled a lot of inspiration for the Who's wardrobe from the 50s which would make sense from when the book was coming out and to research Ryak would consult 50s cookbooks especially for the the food themed outfits um if you remember Cindy Lou Who and her family are in, I think it's like for the holiday hubilation or whatever, which is the big celebration festival thing. Um, they're wearing like picnic basket themed outfits and they're just very, they're just very adorable. Also, speaking of adorable, for a lot of the costumes, Rhea Ryak actually like the ones that look like they were made by little kids they were actually were made by little kids she consulted a class of second graders to help create a lot of the hubilation costumes and it is the most adorable thing i've ever seen it is so it's so precious one thing that's not so precious is that obviously with a film like this and the special effects of it it comes with a lot of of grunt work and that manifested itself in um Jim Carrey being in in makeup for hours on end hours to get into the makeup hours to get out of the makeup and it was driving him insane um obviously you know rightfully so I think by the time they were able to get the process down it maybe took about four hours but it started off at like eight so like eight to get him into the Grinch garb eight to get him out like it was insane like eight hours is a long time to get someone into a costume you then do a full day of shooting and then another eight to get them out of the costume or like six or four whatever it is like a lot of time to to do that and so um in that kerfuffle Jim Carrey was he kind of blew his lid a little bit out of frustration because he felt like he was suffocated by the makeup it was very like and if you look at it it's very like intense makeup it's not just like you know a little bit of foundation and we're calling it a day um it was he was very you know it was a lot that was that was going on so one day he kind of blows up at this member of the, the makeup team named Kazuhiro Suji and he yelled at him so bad that it caused Kazuhiro Suji to leave the production he was like I'm not coming back I'm not going to be yelled at like I'm just not going to do that and so um 
basically the filmmakers are Ron Howard producers and Carrie had to call Suji themselves and ask him, we please like return to, to the production of the film and Suji being the big thinker, the being the big thinker that he was, he was like, I will come back if you help sponsor my application for my green card. And they did, they held him, they held to that. Suji got his green card and he also got an Oscar for his work on The Darkest Hour. I mean, if that's he's the MVP of this movie, I'm just saying. So that's one of my favorite pop culture uh, stories like him leveraging his his uh, his situation to to leave, which led him to an Oscar, which is incredible. Um, so like I said, so many visual special effects on on the Grinch that are just amazing. This is coupled with the fact that Jim Carrey is absolutely hilarious in this movie. Um, there are just certain parts of this movie that I watch it pretty much every single year. And I laugh pretty much every single time I see anything um, from from this movie. It, it never fails to make me laugh. I think it's one of the greatest holiday movies ever. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, welcome back to the future. Um, so as you can hear, I I truly do love this movie, and I think that it is just a great movie in general outside of the context of the holiday season. And I think it works because the elements that it's seeking to to show and the things that it kind of expands upon from the original TV special are really, and even the book. Um, go beyond the holiday season to me. Um, there was a really great article from Rotten Tomatoes, which is a part of their like uh, Hear Us Out series, which is basically when a writer kind of makes a a, a, a judgment call or kind of like, you know, uh, pleads to the audience to reconsider a film. And this year, uh, one of the articles from that series was about uh, this film. And the, the writer, uh, Daisy Gonzalez, really just beautifully extrapolates upon a lot of the things that I think really work about this film. Um, a couple of points being that it provides the Grinch with a, a backstory. And of course, like this isn't really, uh, before I get into it, this isn't what I'm about to say is it isn't the fault of the other iterations of the Grinch because it began as a book and then we have the TV special. So this was the first like movie showing of the Grinch and you have to in order for this, you know, <laughs> in order for it to be a movie that can exist, you have to um, expand upon the character. He can't just be kind of this very one note type of person. 
Um, so what I think really works about the character is that they were able to, I think, bump up his redemption arc. I'm sure kids, when they watch this movie, are probably like, oh my god, the Grinch is such a Grinch, and like, why is he so crabby? And even when they learn the backstory that the Who's were not all that they were, um, you know, presented to be, and that some of them were actually quite mean to the Grinch and everything like that, the, the redemption arc may not come until like the the third act but if you are a, an adult um or anyone who has experienced the uh, ups and downs of life um i think you can understand the grinch is just kind of um <laughs> aversion to the holiday cheer um aspect of of the who's and how much they love christmas and how hard they go for it and um seemingly how they kind of ignore any uh type of anything that distracts away from from christmas so there's real corruption that's happening within whoville um especially with the mayor and they kind of ignore it because you know it's all about the hubilation and like who will be crowned holiday cheermeister and it really is like there's still like i said there's corruption baked into it because this mayor because he has this freaking vendetta against the grinch because the grinch as a child dared to have a crush on martha mayhuvier who was very much so feeling him at the time too um, he decided to punish this creature for seemingly no reason. I mean, the reason being that he is uh, green and hairy. And he decides that like, he essentially gets a whole town of people to turn against this person. And it ostracizes him and treats him like he's this monster amongst who's or amongst men amongst who's you get it. And I just think that there is so much, it's like, like I said, it goes so much deeper than like the holiday season, like real corruption, political corruption is happening in this film. And it's very, it's covert. It is very, very covert, but it is still there. Um, another point is how it deals with consumerism. And I think for a, a film that is ostensibly meant to be released in and around the holiday season and is meant to be kind of uh you know a, a cheerful holiday flick to tackle hyper consumerism is is pretty ballsy i wouldn't say that it, it truly commits in a like josie and the pussycats like style way of, of commentary i think it's pretty topical but to have this concept be explored via a character like Cindy Lou Who because Cindy Lou Who is a very existential little girl. <laughs> she is asking a lot of questions not only of her her parents and of other Who's but also just of the time of of year it is. Like she has a lot of questions about like is Christmas the things that we buy and you know she looks to her mother who is like completely like overwhelmed with trying to make her house the flashiest and like having all these Christmas lights because she has to compete with Martha May Huvier and you know all of these things is it is Christmas that or is Christmas the feeling that we're supposed to have the togetherness you know bringing everyone together and having this you know really beautiful time spent in in the winter months Cindy Lou Who is asking all of these questions and she's the only one willing to kind of push back on the authority that is, again, this very corrupt mayor 
of of Whoville. So she and the Grinch are alike in that way of their kind of being this kind of like raging against the machine style characters to ultimately get to the core of like, what is this time that we're all celebrating? You know, what is Christmas? Is it the things that we buy? Is it the, you know, the money that we spend on decorations? Is it the pomp and circumstance? Or is it just being together and that being enough? You know, like, like I said, I don't think that it's totally aggressive in its um, takedown of, of hyper-consumerism or anything like that. I don't think that it's, you know, changing minds and changing hearts. But I think to weave in that element into the, the story that is about the holiday season, um, when hyper-consumerism and over-consumption tends to take over this time of year and, you know, people tend to spend their last on on a gift when it really should be about, you know, all the other things that the holiday season brings about. I think it's pretty, I don't know, it's just, it's pretty ballsy to, to go after that. But, you know, like I said, who am I? I'm, I'm over here trying to convince you that How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a movie that we should be watching year round. And you know what? I, I take it in stride. I take it <laughs> with a badge of honor because I just think that it's a really great film. Um, I talked about it in the first half of the episode uh, with me from the past, just kind of going on about some different like fun facts and things and revisiting it, the movie every single year. I always find something that I'm like, wow, they really ate with that. And this year um, I, and it seems like a lot of other people are really honing in on the fact that like Martha May Huvier was serving See You Next Tuesday when she absolutely did not have to. In fact, all of the costumes are serving See You Next Tuesday, like very much so kitsch, very much so fun, very much so like referential. Like it is, there is so much that's happening here. And I talked about the um, fact that Rita Ryak, who is the costume designer uh, for the film, was very, very meticulous with the the look and the vision of the Who's. Because if you remember from the TV special, the Who's just kind of dress in uh, solid colored jumpsuits almost. <laughs> like the one who gets the most in a way of like any distinctive costuming is uh Cindy Lou Who and she just has her little like um pink nightgown um and and her hair but it's it's really not it's nothing really distinctive costuming wise about these characters and so again there's this opportunity to fill out this world and make it super fun and what I really love about Rita Ryak's costuming is that it manages to feel fantastical and contemporary all at the same time and the two costumes that I'm thinking about that really hone in on this are at the very beginning of the film they're in probably a minute total of the entire movie but it's the two girls who were going up um Mount Crumpus, I think, which is where the Grinch lives with the two guys. And they're like, oh, like, we're going to go see the Grinch. We're going to go see the Grinch. And they are serving like perfect 1999 to like 2000 because the movie was released in 2000. So this would be like late 90s, so like 98, 99 style. Like if you look at these costumes, 
With the style cycle that's happening right now, I would wear these today without hesitation. Like they are giving the perfect look and feel and it it's stunning. It's like these costumes are so of their time, but in the most fun way possible. Like I think there's just this really fun element of all of the costuming that could have easily just lended itself to just being like super Christmassy. And I like that it doesn't do that. Like I like that it seems like Rita Ryak and the entire costuming team and the filmmakers were kind of tasked with figuring out like, okay, now that we have these characters who are not just, you know, basically blobs that all kind of look the same and dress the same, how do we find these different style profiles for the characters? So like, what would teenagers in Whoville be wearing? You know, what would the you know, the baddies who everybody wants. So i.e. like the people like me, you know, what would we be? <laughs> what would we be wearing? You know, like me and Martha May, we kind of have a similar, you know, standing in society uh, with everyone kind of like, you know, like wanting us. Um, so like, what would we be wearing? What would the families be wearing? What would the kids be wearing? What would the Grinch wear to go and wreak havoc on, on the town? Because he can't just dress in his assumingly naked form um so like what what does he wear and then for their different celebrations and and the like like how do they dress for these things and so figuring out that look i think and while still making it feel holiday-y but also very like susical in that it's you know fun and weird and you know the whole idea of like you know there's no straight edges type of thing I think it opens up the movie to having this really fun and textured and interesting uh costuming portfolio and it's there are some of my favorite costumes in general like you know regardless of what types of movies they are just because they're so fun and they have a contemporary feel but they also do feel very referential and it's just they're so great like literally go and look at uh Rita Ryak's website which is ryakdesign.com and there's a gallery of some like some more close-up shots of the different costumes and they're all remarkable they're really really great (laughs) and I really love them um and I just think that they they add to the storytelling you know it, it again it's the whole idea of filling out this this world and providing a little bit more uh texture to it because um like i said you're basically starting from you know level zero with what the costuming landscape of these characters are going to look like because they all looked the same um in every iteration before this pretty much i also want to zero in on miss martha may Huvier specifically because she was giving something that literally no one else in the town was giving like everyone else i think had a very sweet um silhouette and you know very like kind and you know like very kitschy so the whole i'm thinking of uh cindy lou whose family is like they're like little uh milk and cookies get up with the teacup hats and everything but martha may was serving the perfect 50s 60s christmas like it's very distinctive 
you know, like if you are aware of that kind of period of time and the whole idea of like the 50s, 60s Christmas aesthetic, Martha's giving that very much so. And I love it, first of all. Um, it's so great. And honestly, to have this like person who is unabashedly a hot girl in the town, I don't know. <laughs> I it kind of it, it, it eats. It eats. It really, really does. Um Rita, Rita Ryak just did a interview with CNN style. Um, because the costuming of the film is kind of making a resurgence again, um, especially amongst like Gen Z. And, you know, I've seen a bunch of people, you know, recreating the costumes and everything of Martha May specifically for various purposes, Christmas parties, things of that nature. And she, um, Rita Ryak talks about how she's like kind of surprised that the, (laughs) that like, Martha May is this like has become this icon and I think that is due in large part to how in a land like Whoville in this film which is already bombastic and maximalist and loud and big she manages to bring even more drama in a good way like it's like what would Haute Couture look like in Whoville it's Martha May you know like it is frills it is tufts it is you know long dramatic robes it's a bodice it's a corset and uh Ryak said that she kind of drew inspiration from like 1950s uh silhouettes which like I said like it makes sense with that whole like kind of 50s Christmas style that Martha May tends to embody in a lot of ways almost kind of like a, a bit of a pinup girl type of way she also said that the partial inspiration for Martha May's uh, style was after Lucille Ball, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and she said that they, quote, have a uh, little bit of a musical comedy spirit in them. And there is a reference to Lucille Ball, too, um, when she's the scene when she's like sitting on the couch and she's in this like a, they call it a, a like a hostess outfit. Um, that was popularized by Lucille Ball in, in I Love Lucy. And it's a costume that Ryak said is like not in the movie all that much. So it makes sense to to harken back to someone like Lucille Ball for this character, especially if you're looking at that 50s and 60s kind of Christmas aesthetic. Um, because style-wise, someone like Lucille Ball would have had um, and would have been kind of this, you know, fashion forward person um and would have been informing stylistic choices for people you know well after i love lucy and and things like that so it's great it's just great it's wonderful i think the film uh is just very fun and weird i like that it's not afraid to be weird i think the humor of it works so much better as an adult um than it was when i was when i was a kid um i feel like I laugh harder as the years go on um with (laughs) with with this movie and I think that that's just a really wonderful part about it so you know I I like it goes without saying that I really enjoy this movie I enjoy it outside of a holiday context I think it's just a really great movie I think it's a really fun movie it's one of those movies that I think is a really great example of just the magic of movie making you know the labor of love that went into 
the makeup and hairstyling and the costuming and production, you know, basically all of the sets being constructed out of styrofoam, you know, like I, I, I really think that it's just a, a feat of, of the movie making process and just a really fun time. And, and, you know, I, I just really love it and I will watch it year round because that is my right. I hope you enjoy this week's episode Afternooners. If you don't know, the Afternooners is my name for all of us. So if you've made it to the end of this episode, congratulations, you're an Afternooner now. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate and review this podcast if you had a good time. It helps out the pod. You get to tell me how you're feeling about the pod and I get that sweet hit of praise and validation that is my life force and keeps me going. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet during our little mid-season finale break, you can find me at The Afternoon Special on TikTok or Instagram or over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. And if you're thinking, Bobby, I need to plot how I'm going to watch The Grinch every month uh, for the next year, that is audacious of you. Um, but I, I support it. And so I put all that information in the description down below just for you. You are welcome. I really hope you enjoyed this week's chat and that you've enjoyed the first half of this season. I think we've had a lot of fun. We've been very candid, you know, kept it very, very discoursey, uh, in a lot of ways, but I hope you've had a fun time with me because I have had a wonderful time with you. We'll be taking just a little bit of a month off and then we'll be back uh, around February for the second half of the afternoon special season five, which is just a crazy thing to say, but I hope you have a wonderful rest of your year and a beautiful beginning of next year. And I will see you in the new year. I will see you in the future. Later days, friends. Whether you're in a relationship, single, or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Julian on Love wherever you're listening now. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.